welcome to Live in the Feast. I'm Jason Resnick, and for the past decade, I've been helping businesses translate their goals into online success as a freelance web developer. In order for me to accomplish my why as a freelancer, I needed to live in the feast. Now I'm turning the tables around so you as the freelancer can do the same and build a sustainable business to achieve success so that you can ultimately live the kind of life you want. If you're struggling with content marketing, either for your business or your client's business, then this is the episode you need to listen to. Chris Marr, founder of the Content Marketing Academy, and I stop having discussions around content marketing and talk about the consumer buying behavior, the science and psychology, and how an article, podcast, and a video can grow your business. Chris talks about how your role is being a teacher, not just a service provider as a freelancer. You need to be able to articulate your ideas and concepts the things about your industry that you know really well and that you are an expert in a way that helps your potential customers understand why your service or product is important. Then we dive deep into the numbers and metrics to pay attention to during the various stages of marketing. And we also talk about what mistakes people make when they write a blog post. The takeaway from the show is simple. Listen to what Chris shares with us. He gives us so many ideas for you to walk away with, to be able to create some content and help your customers create an educated buying decision about your offering. Welcome to season two, episode one of Live in the Feast. And this season is all about marketing. Yes, marketing. Many of you out there struggle with it. I too have struggled with it and want to know exactly how it's done. So I'm going to help you along this road this season. And today I'm very excited to be bringing on to this show someone who I've followed for a long time and had the opportunity to meet him here in New York a couple of weeks ago, Chris Mark. Welcome, Chris. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. Hopefully everyone can understand my strong Scottish accent, but I'll try and speak slowly and clearly. And I'm looking forward to talking about marketing. Yeah, important subject. Yeah. Well, hey, people, you know, struggle with my New York accent. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes, you know. And if anyone following me on Instagram, they can see the epic shorts that uh, that Chris, Chris had on during our meeting. It was awesome. But Chris is the founder of Content Marketing Academy. And for me, there's really no better marketing strategy for the long game than content marketing. And uh, I know Chris is a firm believer in this as well. Between all of his blog posts, his podcasts, live workshops, conferences, tweets, all the things that he does, I know he's a firm believer in this. So uh, for those that don't know who you are, Chris, um, who are you? What do you do? What do I do? Uh, Well, I am Scottish. I'm 35 years old. I'm looking out of my window in my office here. I'm on the east coast of Scotland, right? So it's it's a beautiful day for once. Normally it is dull, grey, raining, you know, but today it's a beautiful day. Uh, I uh, have been in this office for a couple of years now. I've been in business for four years. Um, 
my career started off in leadership and management role at the University of St. Andrews. So a lot of people know St. Andrews as the home of golf here in Scotland. And uh, I lived there for 10 years, grew up in, in this area called Fife. This is where I grew up, went to school here, went to college, went to university even here as well. And I started my business here. And um, now fast forward, you know, that 15 years or so that I've been in my working career, the last four years has been spent building out my own, this business, CMA, um, been involved in a couple of other entrepreneurial ventures, you know, a network marketing business. Uh, I had a music promotions business where we put on events in the local area. So I just keep myself busy and uh, businesses, business, marketing, sales, business, personal business development, all of that stuff is like a massive interest of mine. It keeps me, that's every day of my life, basically, I'm reading, learning, moving forward, trying different things, lots of challenges, failures, successes, all of that kind of good stuff. So yeah, that's what I do. Uh, right now, my day job very quickly is really focus on our membership. That's really where our foundation is. Really, my job is about curating talent and content and connecting great people together. Our business is built upon network and, um, you know, content marketing. So I run, we have our own blog, have for years. We have the podcast, we do a lot of Facebook live videos. We've got, we're basically content driven business as well. So, but everything works hand in hand, network growth, the networking, the community, content, all of that stuff just kind of really seamlessly works together. So yeah, I'm involved in pretty much everything. And, you know, I know that your audience, a lot of your audience uh, are, freelancers and essentially that is what I am. I mean I run a business it's a limited company um there's me full time in this business I have someone else in this office once a week that does all of my books so the the reconciliation of the accounts all of that kind of stuff because it's just it's like a it's a part-time job like it's not my job to do it's their job so they come in once a week they're employed by me to come in once a week and do all of the accounts basically everything up to almost an accountant's role actually now um you'll you'll know there's been a big change in that industry and i have and i work with other freelancers you know to do things like video edit and branding and design the stuff that you see here if you're watching the video um we use i have a business manager that works for me 10 hours a week she's also a freelancer um or a v you know a virtual assistant but she's really a business management role even my accountant, I don't even, I've never even met my accountant. They're, they're, a, they're a freelancer, virtual assistant type person too. So not only, I would never call myself a freelancer, but essentially that's what I am. Um, it's just, I'm not running a client services business anymore, which is something that we used to do. And then we had to transition from client services into membership. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really kind of like an insight into what is happening day to day in the in the office and, you know, wherever I decide to run my business from. Mm. So let's jump into the, the client services because I'm definitely interested in that. Mm. I know that your focus isn't on that anymore, but I mean, that's kind of where we all get our start, right? Is strike out on our own, do some client services and things like that. How did you do content marketing for folks and prove to them that it was worth doing? Like, Mm. I feel like a lot of people struggle with content marketing because it's not like, you know, what you put in is what you get out, right? Like, like paid ads and things like that. Like you put in a dollar, you could kind of calculate what's going to come out the other end. Mm. Content marketing, I know, is a long game and -hmm. it's a long play, but the ROI on that for me is immeasurable in my opinion. But how do you 
position yourself as somebody that can help a company and prove that ROI to that company. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, there's quite a lot in there actually. So I'm trying to unpack it a little bit here. The, the key thing is, is that, you know, just like any business freelancer could do, like, so let's, let's take an example. The biggest problem in this industry is you've got people writing blog articles for 50 or $60 or $30 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, and that's fine. Like, so in, in the UK, someone might be saying, oh, I charge uh, 50 or 60 pounds per blog article. You know, it takes me two or three hours to do the research, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is that how important content marketing is to a business that they're willing to pay $50 for it, right? It's nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a major problem. So the, the, the issue here is that is how we, how we communicate and how we talk about content marketing to organizations is the problem. We're not just writing a blog article. This piece of content, if it's written in the right way, will be exactly what you've just said there as an asset. So an asset is defined as something that increases in value over time for an organization, right? So this is, this is really, really important that content marketers, marketing freelancers, consultants need to elevate this whole conversation away from the bottom end of this marketplace. And by doing so, it will help all of us to have a better conversation about it. Now, the key thing when it comes to ROI with content marketing is you've got to stay away from the words content and marketing together in the same sentence, right? <laughs> and the reason for that is because nobody really understands what it means. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about it as well. So someone may have heard of content marketing before, probably a business, an organization, or a company that you want to work for as a freelancer. You can't pitch content marketing to them, though. You have to pitch it as a sales conversation, Right. So if you're a business and you're going to spend money on a B2B service, a freelancer, a copywriter, a cop- content marketer, a consultant, whatever it might be, it has to be in the language that your potential customer are going to understand. So even when we talk about content marketing, I talk about sales and marketing, right? The future of sales and marketing, how to communicate with the digital consumer. How does consumer buying behavior, how is consumer buying behavior changed so that we understand how we need to change the way that we communicate as a business, right? So if you embed your your conversation in consumer behavior and science and psychology, and you say, well, if this is how consumers want to be communicated to, then as a business, we need to think about how we change that. And the way mm-hmm. that we do that now is something that we call content marketing. Let's talk about that. And I think that this is the, the issue is understanding your role Uh, And this could be beyond content marketing, Jason, as well. It doesn't have to be about content marketing, but understanding your role as a consultant or a freelancer with expertise in a particular subject is that the language you use isn't the language that your potential customers are going to use. And your role isn't just to deliver on the services. Your role is to be a teacher. You have to be able to communicate and articulate your ideas and your concepts and the things that your industry know really, really well and that you're an expert in, in a way that helps them understand why it's important, right? So it's not about even going in and showing them, uh, sorry, telling them. You've got to go in there and share stories and prove to them that there's a business case for the thing that you want. Don't expect people to pay for something just because it's on trend. We have to go in and say, look, if you're going to spend $2,000 a month on this instead of 20 quid a blog or $20 a blog article and I want to spend two grand or five grand a month on something, right? And get a really good contract. This has to be about how does this activity grow our business? How does this activity get us new customers? Because if you're a CEO of a company, 
why would you spend some money on something that isn't going to grow your business? It has to be about sales. So I think this is about elevating the whole conversation to a level that we actually are challenging ourselves to think about how does content marketing, how does a blog article, how does a video, how does a podcast, how does that grow our business? I think we do need to talk about that. And I know it's a long game. I get that. It is a long game. But like advertising is a long game. You don't just advertise for a month and stop. You know, <laughs> everything you do is a long game. Going to the gym and getting fit is a long game. Training a dog, <laughs> training a dog how to sit is a long game. You know, you don't expect things to happen overnight. It's funny when it comes to marketing that people think that there's a silver bullet or there's <laughs> like this really quick solution that all of a sudden is going to change our business. We're all in business for a long, long time, Right. Right. And as soon as we start to understand that we've got time, you don't have to move <laughs> fast. You can move slowly, right? And just build and build and build and build. Too much short-term thinking is going to ruin your business, not, not save it. So I think as marketers, and if we're talking about marketing, which we are, and if you're a freelancer, your role, you've got to help teach this philosophy to business owners, to help them to understand that this the, the, the philosophy of marketing and how important it is and why it's a one of the most important business activities and why sales is changing and why consumer behavior right. is changing and why we need to communicate in a different way, right? If, as soon as you can get that across and be able to teach it and get them to buy into it, then you've got a great opportunity to secure uh, a great client and someone that appreciates the value that you offer to the marketplace. Mm, yeah, and that's, that's so on point because, I mean, as a developer... I've been helping e-commerce businesses for so long, building online stores and that kind of thing. Um, but I've kind of moved into more of leveraging your current assets, your current email list, making sure that you're selling to them in a proper way that they want to buy from you. I had Kai Davis on the podcast last season. Um, I don't know if you know Kai, but he's an out, I call him the outreach guru. Right. And he basically helps businesses reach out to folks, do networking, that kind of stuff, help them with some of their marketing. And he said one thing that was great. He said, this, in quotes, does my marketing reflect my most current understanding of my target market? And that for me was great because you, you really do need to understand who you're serving, the problems that you're solving for them. And be able to communicate it in a way where they understand the service that you provide to them. And I think that that's so important. And what I tell my clients all the time is don't just write a blog post about your thing, right? Like the features of your service. Talk to the benefits of somebody owning your thing, right? What's the ownership benefits? What problems do they have that your thing is solving? You got to understand your customer rather than just speak to them. Mm -hmm. And that's for us as well. Yeah, I think we all need to be reminded of this uh, time and time again. When it comes to content, uh, it comes to, it could be video podcast. Let's go for a video podcast blog. You know, the three main sources of rich, rich sources of content that you've got ownership of and that can really influence people. I think the key thing here is that it's never about you. 
right? That's the great, the, the key thing that goes with content marketing. And it's not about you. This is not about your ego and it's not about your amazing products and it's not about your amazing services and it's not about how many awards you've won. It's got nothing to do with you. This is about your prospective customer having a challenge around trying to figure out how to navigate your industry and how to make an educated buying decision about the thing that you offer, right? So it's about them. It's about them feeling confident about making a buying decision. And they'll be asking loads of questions. They won't understand things like price. They won't know the difference between you and your competition. They won't know the difference between your app and the other five apps on the market. They won't understand the difference between you, your freelancing uh, services, and somebody else's freelancing services. Someone somewhere has to explain all of that and teach them about the industry so that they feel like they're not going to get ripped off, or they feel like they're paying a fair price, or they feel like they've got the right person, or they feel like they've asked the right questions you know that's our job because we are the experts and if we can do that then the great thing about the great thing that content drives is a is educated customers and if you're doing content marketing the right way what will happen is you'll start to get inquiries qualified people that aren't asking these ridiculous questions anymore they're actually coming to you and saying look we are we understand exactly what we're looking for we know, you know, and, they, and you get good clients, basically. That's what you're really yeah. looking for. And if you see the long game, like you said, Jason, if you see the long game of content marketing, it's about teaching people over a long period of time how to be the best client for you. And you do that by answering their questions, solving their problems, removing your products and services and you from your content, removing your ego from it, getting right to the basics and getting very specific. And honestly, that's the best type of content you could create. The challenge with this, Jason, is that a lot of people talk in their own language in their own industry and they forget that most people don't know any like don't know what it means they don't understand it and you can never go too basic and you can never get too specific with your content i think it's one of the biggest lessons i've learned is that most of the content that people create is the stuff that they would say that's just really so basic i thought everybody would understand that nobody knows and it becomes one of the best pieces of content they've ever written because it educates people and teaches them about the thing yeah, no, that's, that's, I'd love to just end right out here, right there. <laughs> right. Um, Mic drop that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think, and when it comes to, like you've mentioned ROI, and I, th- I don't think we kind of like closed that loop off. You know, it's one of the biggest challenges with anything in business is ROI, like return on investment. How much money did we make from the money that we spent on that thing? You know, content marketing, if you do, if you can do it well as a small business, as a freelancer, it can cost you no money. The, the, you know, one of the challenges that we have that I set myself in CMA was to never spend a single penny on advertising, right? And to date, we've, we have spent a tiny little bit amount on advertising, right? But mainly nothing. Mm. And we have built a business on content marketing, right? And we're able to do that um, because we've given it the focus and the priority that it needs. So when it comes to return on investment, if you're not giving content marketing a focus, whether it's for you or for your clients or just marketing in general, if it's not really a priority, then the ROI is going to reflect the amount of time and effort you put into that, right? So, and I say time and effort very specifically here because that's usually what makes the difference, right? You can't buy effort. So time and effort is like really key to this. If you put the time and the effort and the focus into something, it will grow and that number will change. Something that people need to understand about marketing is that you need to measure the right numbers for the right stage that you're at in your business. So for example, in the first year in business, a lot of your marketing efforts might look like likes, shares, comments, traffic, 
um, you know, that sort of stuff, like what we'd call user metrics or user numbers. Right. Or Does anybody care about our content? Are they reading it, right? That might be the mm-hmm. first year. The second year might be more like, ooh, we're getting way more opt-ins now, email subscriptions, much more conversations, serious conversations happening in our inbox here. We're getting some inquiries, you know, that the content is, uh, the content metrics change, right? Now no, we're not really measuring all those user metrics were measuring what we would call like an action, you know, a call mm-hmm. to action, something that actually says that people are interested. And then maybe bridging into your third year and you're working in content marketing, you might start to find that actually your content is resulting in pounds in the bank or dollars, dollar signs, right? So I think you, you, you've got to get realistic about where you are on that journey. If you're just getting started with a client or in your own business with marketing and content, then there's a good chance that you measuring how many customers you're getting is it's going to make you feel depressed about your activities, right? So you'd be like, we're doing all this activity, but we're not getting any customers. The best thing you could do at that stage is we're doing all this activity and people care about our content. They are reading it. They are sharing it. There as there's signals that this that they're doing the right thing and you have to see this longer term play that what you're doing right now because this is the thing about marketing cause and effect are completely separated right mm-hmm. so and that works in two ways right and i've just had this discussion with someone recently where the business was going well right so they're like woo, the money's coming in we've got lots of customers we're just going to and it wasn't conscious they just stopped doing their marketing right and then they're like why are we not getting any customers what's going on we're losing customers and we're not getting any new ones it's because you stopped doing your marketing three months ago. Now, if you start it now, you could hope that maybe your customers will be back up to where you want them in three or six months' time, right? So this mm-hmm. marketing, and this is what content marketing is great for, I think, is not campaign-driven, right? It's like this constant turning up, this constant creation of content and publishing of content that you don't do just because you need customers. You do it because that's how you run your business. This is how we build our businesses. We, we do our weekly articles, we're doing our videos, we're doing our podcasts, and we're turning up, continue, we're, doing, we're going to do this forever because that's how we grow our business. And that's how you want your clients to think. That's the things you want to teach. And marketing works like that. So you stop, you're doing your marketing because things are looking great, which is what happens, unfortunately. And then three months down the road, you're like, what's happened, right? Marketing is a constant activity, it's so, so important to mm-hmm. understand that that 70% of the buying decision is made online before someone makes contact for it with a business for the first time. I know you've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. If you understand buying behavior today, just look at your own buying behavior, you will see that marketing is actually more important than a sales activity. That marketing is actually sales. That we yeah. have to think like that now. And it's so, so important to create awareness of your business and get educate and educate your prospective buyers about the thing that you offer. And um, I just can't, I can't see any other way. Once you learn that, you can't unlearn it. It's like times have changed, you know, and we need to change with it. So I think that rant is now over. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great because, I mean, like you, I have built my business and now I've been in business for myself for over a decade. Well done, man. It's like I've never spent a dime yet on advertising, right? The only thing I do regret is that I didn't start content marketing earlier because, you know, as a developer myself, once you get heads down on a project, you stop all the tweets, you stop all the everythings, right? <laughs> like all of the stuff that goes out there. So if you don't have content out there to start off with, then what? 
Like, how does somebody know that you exist, yeah. right? What's the other option? Right. So when that project's over, now it's like, oh, like you said, like, great. Now I start ramp up my marketing efforts again. That means there's that gap. And now I have to do all of that legwork again. And I think a lot of freelancers don't see that initially. I mean, I didn't, right? I had to learn that lesson the hard way. But, you know, it's so important to be consistent. Like you said, every week or, you know, at least get something out every month or every two weeks, something where it's very consistent and people can predict that yeah. you're going to be putting something out there. It's, the truth of this is that the consistency is the, the break. That's the thing that's going to break, make or break you, right? So the question is, how fast do you want to move, right? If you're like, right, if you're starting your business just now or you're kind of like in a period where you've got no customers, you have got tons of time right? You shouldn't right. be messing around right now. You should be like, well, we haven't got any customers. I've only got one project on. I'm going to use 30 hours a week to do my marketing, right? And I'm going to just do as much as I possibly can and prove to people that we can be a success, right? And get really enthusiastic about it. Don't be like, oh God, I have to do another blog article. Oh, God. <laughs> Make it exciting for yourself. Content marketing should be fun and exciting. And it's about business growth and it's about making impact and changing people's lives. And there's so much to marketing when you start to really unpack it and get really deep into it. The best entrepreneurs in the world are really, really great marketers, right? They are the best marketers as well because they know just how important marketing is for the growth of their business. So give your, like one of the things you could do to get yourself a little bit more excited about this is to take note of when th good things happen, right? So we talked about ROI and measurement is so important. It's even in like at any stage, you've got to measure something, right? What mm -hmm. you measure improves, right? And measure everything yep. of significance. So like, even if you just take your first dozen metrics, right? And just put them on a spreadsheet. We're going to measure these for the next six months and we want to see them change, right? We want to see growth in these areas and maybe give yourself a target, right? And just measure them and you will see the growth. Honestly, if you put those numbers on a page and you measure them every week, you will see them grow. And I think that you need to know that you're moving forward all the time just for your own sanity more than anything. But mm. it does help you to get a little bit more enthusiastic about things where you can see your business growing as a result of some activity. Now, back to the activity, I think it really depend. It really comes down to, well, how? F this is a question I ask all the time. How quickly do you want to move? Where do you want to be in six months? If you don't do this activity, if you don't do this activity over the next six months, where will you be, right? So people start to realize, right, okay, if I spend, you know, an hour, 60 minutes a day, could I, could I could I essentially take five hours of my week and put it into our marketing and our growth? Is it possible for me to do that? The answer is typically yes. It's, to, it's you know, I just have to find the time somewhere, make the time somewhere to make that happen. Mm -hmm. As soon as they start to realize just how important the marketing is for their business, you start to prioritize that time and something else has to go, Right whatever that is, is just not as important, right? Figure that out. Whatever your priorities are, make marketing one of them. Put the time in your schedule and make it happen. I literally just recorded one of my own solo shows about this and just saying, look, marketing sales is your responsibility. You absolutely have to be doing something every single day that contributes to the growth of your business, right? You've got mm -hmm. client work, I get that. You've got events to go to. You've got client projects to work on. 
but sales and marketing cannot stop at, in fact, you're really doing everybody a disservice if you stop your sales and marketing, even your current clients. So a lot of the excuses we get is like, I've just got too much client work to do my own sales Mm -hmm. and marketing. Well, you failed. You're failing as a business owner. Your business needs you to do the sales and marketing. Otherwise, you're not going to be around long enough to actually serve more people. So if your business is about your business is about serving people. You want to be in business for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it might be, 20, 30, 40, 50 years for the, for the rest of the time that you're going to be on this planet, then marketing needs to be one of the core activities in your business because you won't last long without it and therefore you won't be able to make the impact you want to make on the world. It's just as, it's just as simple as that. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that I get often is like that, right? People tell me I just I have too much client work and I don't have the time to write blog posts or do Facebook lives or any of that kind of stuff. And my answer is very similar to what you just said. It's like, you don't have to find the time. You have to make that time, figure out what the priorities are. And you always have to move the needle of your business, right? Whatever that takes. And one of the other things that I hear, and I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on this is, you know, we talked about measuring results, right? A lot of people are like, look, I've blogged for six, eight, 10 months and my traffic's not increasing. I don't see, you know, more leads coming through the site. You know, I'm doing what you're saying to do, spend five, 10 hours a day Mm -hmm. or a week on this stuff. And I'm not seeing progression. What would you say to that? I guess the question you're asking is like, where's the typical, what what typical mistakes do people make with content and what challenges mm-hmm. do they have? Why is it not working? So if someone came to me and said, I've been blogging for 10 months, I've been writing blogs every week for 10 months and I'm not seeing any activity, then there's, there's a huge, there's, there's maybe four or five things that they're doing incorrectly, right? And it comes back to search engine optimization every single time, usually. Uh, And I'm not Mm. an SEO expert, but I know what it takes for content. So usually, usually, the title of the blogs are not geared towards what someone would type into Google, right? It's usually the biggest mistake, right? The title of the blog is just very poor. Like it'll say something like, "My my top five podcasts or... I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but the, the, the title right. is wrong. <laughs> uh, it should say something, the best podcasts for content marketing, right? would be more specific, right? Usually the title isn't specific enough and it's not uh, associated with something that someone would search for when they've never heard of you before, right? Those are the key, kind of key things, mm. right? So it needs to be typically a long tail search, uh, usually based around a question because that's what people type into Google. Just look at your own behavior when you're searching for stuff. Um, a lot of people do how-to content, right? There's nothing wrong with how-to content, but it typically doesn't drive a lot of sales. Um, so mm-hmm. they would want to they want to start looking at like the, the one person that influenced me massively, just to kind of cut a long story short here, is Marcus Sheridan. And I think uh, reading his book, They Ask, You Answer, and understanding the big five content areas and topics that move the needle in any business is what you need to really, truly understand that is about cost, price, comparison, reviews, best of, and problems. Those are the top five. And then how to would be like number six, right? Those are the things that people are searching for and asking questions about when they're looking to buy something, right? So let's take an example, right? Imagine you were... I don't know, you were going to buy a new uh, outhouse, a summer house, a shed, right? A, a wooden box in your back garden. I don't know what they call it. What do they call that in America? 
a shed, shed, yeah, a shed a summer yeah. house somewhere nice <laughs> that you can sit out there at night uh, in the summer months drinking a glass of prosecco with your partner or whatever right if you become aware that you want a summer house you're not going to suddenly just get in your car and start driving around all the different manufacturers the first thing you're going to do is google it and say well how much is a summer house or a shed do we need different foundations what kind of roof do we want in fact do we need to get planning permission uh do we want to have a like some decking out there uh what type of wood do we want what size does it need to be you know tons of questions about this new thing that you want you haven't left your house you haven't even looked for a manufacturer but you've used google to find lots of answers to your questions right that's what people are doing every single day and when it comes back to the mistakes that people make they're not thinking like the prospective buyer they're not thinking about that and thinking well what questions what specific questions are they asking when they've never heard of us before, how can we help them to get to that 70% buying decision that we talked about, the zero moment of truth, mm-hmm. faster than someone else and be the ones that educate them? Could be we be the ones that answer those, question for, answer those questions for them? And that's the key is to kind of understand that whole buyer's process. So when it comes to the mistakes that people make, it just it's really obvious to me. The titles are poor, usually. They're not geared around what would be found in search. Um, the opening paragraphs are again poor so the opening paragraphs need to get across like why someone should be reading this article why they should trust you like so there needs to be some sort of credibility there as well what you're going to cover all the rest of it is usually very poor the articles are typically too short they don't use subtitles and i say subtitles specifically so those people that are on the understand probably i guess what h1 tags and h2 tags and all the rest of it are right but there's a Mm -hmm. there's an seo secret in here to be found for other searches and that is to use those subtitles as if they were blog titles and make sure you're getting other keyword searches in there as well and really maximizing the opportunity in your blog articles so those are like and the url because the title's wrong the url is typically wrong as well so those are like honestly the i could if you can't look at a blog article and understand immediately what the keyword the main primary keyword phrase is going to be for that article to be found, then there's you've, you're just never going to be found. And that's when people come and say, why are we not getting any, any organic traffic? Why is no one visiting our website? Or you get something like where you look at the Google Analytics on someone's website and it kind of just peaks all the time like this, like a little heartbeat monitor, a heart monitor. And it's because they're sending out an email shot every two weeks with their blog article, but there's no organic growth. And it's because they haven't geared their content so that someone can find it when they're looking for it. And it's a shame because you're missing out on a ton of opportunity there. So yeah, I would say that those are the fundamental mistakes that they make. They're usually not doing it often enough as well. Frequency does matter. Um, and the the reason that these things are mistakes is because, or the reason that these mistakes come to to be is because they they don't know what they don't know, I guess. Some people think they already know enough. So we've been blogging, we've been doing content marketing for 10 months. We know exactly what we're doing. When in fact, they haven't really been doing content marketing at all. They've just been writing blogs, which is not really the same thing. Um, or they're, you know, they're not measuring the results. So they don't have the right tools for measurement. Um, they just don't know that it's just not working for them. And I think if you really are focused on improving on content marketing, you have to know the truth. You have to know how bad it is, right? And it's never as bad as you think it is, honestly. Get into the numbers, Mm -hmm. figure out what's not working, and then educate yourself or find someone that can teach you to get better at this stuff, right? I, When I first realized that content marketing was going to be my profession, I read every book, right? I I just got all the books and I read them all and I studied it 
and I've met all, tried to meet all the, the influencers in that space and just really start to understand what content marketing was because I knew that it was going to be so important, not just for my business, but for other people's businesses as well. So I think there's so many, there's so many mistakes that can be made. I still make mistakes today. Let's just get, make that clear as well that you're always going to be improving with this. Marketing is the fastest change in landscape in business today. That's why it means it's so important. All you need to do is just get your head out of the sand a little bit and be willing to learn. Complacency is the killer, right? If you say to yourself, you know all, you're not willing to learn, you may as well shut your business down because it's going to be dead anyway. And I just want to emphasize that that is a big part of it is your personal uh, and your professional development in this space is digital, Search engine optimization is going to matter until search engines don't exist. Uh, written, the written word is going to matter for a long, long time. As, well, until people stop reading, which is probably going to be never. You know, all of these things matter. There's just, you've got to get back to like the principles of it. You just start to understand just how fundamental this activity is in your business. Um, I don't have the time. It's the biggest excuse that people have. And it's the adult mm. equivalent of the dog ate my homework. And I think that it's just not a good enough excuse. It really isn't. If you're really, if you come to me and said, I really want to grow my business, but I don't have the time to grow, do marketing. I'll be like, well, you really don't want to grow your business and do you? You're really not that serious about it. It's not priority for you. So it's a shame that, that there's people out there that are willing to take that opportunity on board. They're willing to try something new. They're willing to te- come out of their own comfort zones, challenge themselves, face their fears, those are the people that will grow their businesses. Those are the people that will be here in five years' time telling their story about how successful they've been. Mm, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I mean, so we've talked a lot about catering to the clients. Now I want to know something about you, right? Why did you start your own business? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I am... Um, so a couple of little things I can share here that really mattered that were like forks in the road for me. I um, This goes back to my time when I was working for someone else. I used to work at the University of St. Andrews in a management leadership role there. And it was about 2007, 2008, because we were in the University of St. Andrews, that's where Facebook landed in the UK for the very first time. So you had to have a .ac.uk address, like an academic email address to get mm-hmm. a Facebook account. I don't know if you remember this or not. And yep. Um, yep. totally. So we jumped on early and then I started to like, start to communicate with our customers using social really early on, started to help businesses in my spare time, started a blog, read all the books. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It was one of the books that really influenced me at that point to start my own blog. And one of the phrases from the book, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's, it's something about the C, the future, in the future, the CV will be dead or the resume will be dead. And I thought, well, I need I need to do something different then. So I started the blog, took Gary's advice, started a blog and said to myself, if I'm going to get another job in the future, it won't be because I've applied for it. It'll be because they found me and I will get the job. Now, I didn't know at that time that I was really talking about being an entrepreneur or being a freelancer or being a consultant. I didn't know that at the time, but that's exactly what happened. And I got my first contract from that blog. It was terrible. Really, really bad. There'll be WordPress designers like, you know, shouting at me for the state that it was in. It was disgusting. But we, we, uh, it worked. It worked, right? It did exactly what I wanted it to do. And I said to myself at that point, I'm never writing another CV ever again. This was when I was still in employment, still unsure about what I was going to do. So that was number one. Never write another CV ever again. And ever since I started my own business, no one, only one person has asked me for my CV, right? Only one. Mm-hmm. Um, never has it been a problem, right? Because you're based on your your credibility is based on the results that you get, not what your qualifications are typically. Mm-hmm. So 
that was a big deal for me that back then was just deciding that a CV was just going to be a part of the past for me. And the blog became my way out, right? It became my way out into the world. And it wasn't, honestly, I started studying part-time at the University of St. Andrews to get my business degree because I had in the back of my head that if I wanted to really progress my career, become a consultant in a large organization or whatever, and earn lots of money, I needed to get my degree. They just don't look at you if you haven't got your degree, right? If you want to go work at a big consultancy firm, they just you need your degree. It's just, it's, it's, yep. that opens the door and or gives you a seat at the table at least. So I knew that, but what happened interestingly enough was that I did my part-time degree while I was still working and doing my blog and doing all this other stuff. And it wasn't until... I walked into the office one day and they were doing some re, uh, restructuring, let's call it that. And I looked at the <laughs> new organizational chart for these 300 employees and my job wasn't on it, right? So I'm like, right, oh, so where, what, what's going on here? Got the papers, <laughs> signed the papers, took a severance agreement, uh, gave me some money and I left, right? But what I did was I went to university. I left and went to uni. And it wasn't until I left my job that I didn't that that I realized that I didn't want to work for someone else ever again. It wasn't until that moment. But here I am at uni for all the wrong reasons now because I wanted to go there to get my degree so I could become a consultant. Instead, I'm at university thinking, "Why am I here? I should just be starting my own enterprise." So I just kept kept on with the blog. I kept going to conferences, educating myself about marketing and sales and business growth while I was at university. Year four at university, I changed my subjects so they were much more like driven towards entrepreneurship. I took marketing modules, advertising modules, entrepreneurship modules, you know, stuff that were actually going to help me to be a better business person. Mm-hmm. And um, the day I graduated university in 2013 was the day that I became the director of my own company. And even when I was at uni, I'm not kidding, I was everyone was 10 years younger than me, right? So they're all 19, 20, 21. I'm sort of 29, 30, 31. And they're all going to apply for jobs at Accenture and McKinsey and EY and all these big consultancy firms, right? And I even felt myself being pulled into this world again of applying for jobs. So what happened was I knew a friend of mine, it wasn't a friend, it was a contact who had a job opening. And I thought to myself, that'd be a really good job for me. I'll apply for it. And it was the day before, the day before the interview, I phoned him and I said, look, and I'm good. I'm friends with him now, Gavin, Gavin Oates. And I said to Gavin, I said, look, man, I can imagine you even offering me the job and me turning it down. Right. And I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. There's no point in me coming to the interview tomorrow. I appreciate everything you've done for me, um, but I need to, to do my own thing. And he just said to me at the time, he's like, look, man, I totally get it. Cause he's an entrepreneur as well. He's like a business owner. And he's like, right. I get it. You just go do your thing and be awesome. And that was it. And we've been friends ever since. And it was a great moment for me. I had a shed a tear, you know, and my car's like a little bit emotional about it because there was a, there's something happened in that moment. I decided right. to not get a job. A job was not an option. And I don't know if you've heard people like this who've got a plan B, you know, they never really like take the risks. They never really put everything into it. You know, the day when I had £1.63 in my bank account, I had to ask my mom for money to pay my mortgage. And my mum said to me just recently in the last, it was last six months or so, she was like, I understand now, Chris, why you're so driven to take these risks, to make these sacrifices, because you have got it so deep within you that you don't want to work for someone else ever again, that you will make this thing work like bleeding nails, bleeding eyes. You know, you will lose the sleep, take the risk to make this thing work because you just have such a drive to not work for someone else ever again. So it's almost like, 
I just, in that moment when I was speaking to Gavin, I decided I had to make an adult decision that getting a job was not an option for me. And I went and I did my own thing, right? Instead of saying to myself, mm-hmm. if it fails, I can always get a job. Wasn't a, failure wasn't an option for me. I was naive. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but <laughs> it felt like the right thing at the right time for me. So that's the story. That's how it all kind of kicked off. There's a lot of emotion in there, a lot of big decisions to make, but I'm glad that those things happened in the way that they did. It gave me four or five years to really figure out what I wanted to do. And a lot of people say, like, if you're going to go into business, you need to jump, you need to take that leap. You know, I hate all this stuff. Jump off the cliff and build the parachute, <laughs> you know, build the parachute on the way down. Right, Don't do that. Yeah. That's like, you're just going to, you're going to lead, that leads to your death. You know what to do is build the best parachute you possibly can and then jump off the cliff, right? That's the best thing. That's what I did. I built it up over time. I was at university. Great opportunity to explore without risk. I had a loan from the university. I could pay my mortgage for two years. I had the chance to do my music promotions company, a network marketing business. I had the chance to travel over the UK to go conferences, learn, read. I read 40 books one year, right? And that was only because I had time to do that. I was a full-time student. They do nothing, you know? So I had time to do all of that. <laughs> and I built my parachute before I jumped. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great, fantastic story. It's funny that you mentioned Accenture. I was, I worked for Accenture. It was actually Think, and then Think was absorbed by Accenture. <laughs> Um, and it was funny because very similar to your, your story about you walked in one day and restructured, yeah. let's say <laughs> like, all of a sudden you're just looking for your job and I'm like, oh, okay. So when the writing's on the <laughs> wall here, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, it's, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the story. I mean, that's how it all kind of came to, it's quite nice to have the opportunity to share it because it reminds me of the, of the, of what's happened as well. It's, it's important. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So this has been awesome. I appreciate your time and everything. Before I let you go, I just have one more question. What's your number one piece of advice that you would give a freelancer, somebody that's striking out on their own, whatever you want to call it, right? Consultant, Mm. freelancer. What would be that number one piece of advice? Jesus, a tough one. I think don't give up. I think that's the the, the key thing is that there will be challenges along the way right and they're there to test you um you will make mistakes as well and you'll you'll make big mistakes things that you wish you'd never done but all of it will make you a better business person so don't give up when you're hit with an obstacle and appreciate that that obstacle there is there to as a learn as a as a teaching it's going to let you're going to learn something by getting over that obstacle um you know we've had financial problems we've had tax problems we've had customer acquisition problems and it's all made me a better marketer a better salesperson a better um a better you know numbers person in my business you know all the weaknesses i had have been tested and i've had to become stronger because of it if i'd given up i would learn nothing um so Mm. don't give up at the first hurdle don't give up at the second hurdle don't give up at the third hurdle see it through uh and appreciate that all these mistakes and all these challenges are there to help you to be better at this thing and test you to see how much you really want the thing that you're building. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Great. I thought you were actually going to say, don't forget to be awesome. And don't forget to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, this is, again, Chris, thanks for doing this. Uh, where could folks reach out and say hi to you? 
yeah, I mean, if anyone's got any questions about anything that we've covered today or they want to pick my brain or just say hello, I am on Twitter at chrismar101, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-R-R-101. You can get me on Twitter, Instagram, you can email me, chris at cmauk.co.uk as well. Some people like to, you know, communicate privately and that's totally cool as well. That's where you can get me. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. And everybody, this has been oodles amount of information. <laughs> and I have a bunch of different takeaways that you can do for this. Um, I'll put them all in the show notes for you. And yeah, reach out to Chris. If you're not following him, definitely follow him. Check out CMA as well. I'm going to make it my effort next year to come to CMA Conf. Um, that's just, you know, one of my big conferences. I have two on the deck and that's one. So everybody go check out Chris and it's your time to live in the feast. Mm-hmm.